You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. We don't have to go to a tabernacle. Why? We are the tabernacle of God. God now dwells in us. God dwells in us by His Spirit. We're the tabernacle of God. We're the temple of God, it says in Corinthians. We're the temple of God. God is in us. He made it so much easier. We won't misplace Him. We can't. He's right there. We're in Him. Do you ever feel like God is not near you? That you need to go somewhere to be with Him? He's with you all the time. He is dwelling in you. He loves you so much that He chooses to be with you at all times. That's amazing. Today in his message, Pastor Dave reminds us that we are so privileged to have this amazing promise. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 11. As he begins his message, different kingdom, same results. Second Kings chapter 11. Second Kings chapter 11. And uh, we'll see what the Lord has for us in that. Those chapters, I'd like to get through 11 and 12. If we can, we'll see what goes on. They're both fairly short. 21 verses, I think, in a couple of them. In both of them, as a matter of fact. So we'll see what the Lord wants to do. So Second Kings chapters 11 and 12. You might, if you want to, Put a, a hold on 2 Chronicles 24 and Psalm 27, if you want to, if you're putting the markers there, so they can get to them when we come to those. Um, 2 Chronicles 24 and Psalm 27 we'll be touching on as well, and Ezekiel 18. Get you used to that Bible, getting used to where things are. So let's pray. Gracious Father, thank you. It is a blessing to stand before you in the throne room and feel your presence by your spirit, Lord. And Lord, I pray for those who who might not understand why we do this and what we do. And I hope, Lord, that you would touch their heart, that they would love this because they're going to have to do it for eternity. So, Lord, I just pray, Father God, that you would bless us now as we go into your word. Lord, my prayer always is that I would be able to step aside and allow you to boldly speak your word through your spirit that the people who have come here tonight, your children, your saints, would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, would grow in your word and become more attuned to you. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do right now in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we studied our buddy Jehu and his killing spree and how he was commanded by God to basically wipe out Ahab's family and all those who worship Baal in the northern kingdom of Israel. And he did it with great gusto. In fact, he kind of went overboard. He got so used to killing that he went overboard and began to killing all these things. And of course, we studied how the Lord had to chastise him and uh, bring judgment down upon him. 
But as we come into chapter 11, if you remember, I said a while back, 2 Kings is not really in chronological order. Basically, the studies that we're doing tonight are happening at the same time of Jehu. They're, they're happening concurrently. Now remember, we're now in a divided Israel. We are in a divided nation. To the north, you have the kingdom of Israel with the capital of Samaria. And they will soon become known as the Samaritans. All right? In the south, you have Judah with the capital of Jerusalem. There are two different kingdoms now. And there's a king in each kingdom. And these lives that we read in 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, they run concurrently. So it jumps back and forth sometimes. So it's kind of like you need a scorecard to keep up with everything. So I want to make it clear that what we're studying tonight, many think that it goes backwards chronological some 25 years. All right, so it's written here and we're going to study it because the scene now shifts from the northern kingdom, because that's all we've been studying about for a while, is the northern kingdom of Israel. The scene shifts now to the southern kingdom of Judah. Different kingdom, same results. Same sort of thing is happening in both kingdoms. The throne in the southern kingdom is now empty. Because if you remember, in chapter 9, Jehu killed the king, Azahiah, in Jezreel. We studied that. Azahiah was the son of Adaliah, who was the daughter of Ahab. And she now, being the queen mother, sees an opportunity. She seizes an opportunity to actually take the throne. And that's where we're going to begin. So let's look at chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. When... Athaliah, the mother of Azahiah, saw that her son was dead. She arose and destroyed all the royal heirs. But Jehosheba, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joaz, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being murdered, and they hid him and his nurse in the bedroom from Athaliah, so that he was not killed. So he was hidden with her in the house of the Lord for six years while Athaliah reigned over the land. So the queen mum, Athaliah, basically kills all her own grandchildren. She kills all her own grandchildren so that she can reign unopposed. She doesn't want anybody to come and depose her from being queen. The last thing, though, on her mind was, now remember where she came from. Whose daughter was she? Ahab's. The most wicked king in the nation history. She did not want a descendant of David to sit on the throne so that the Davidic dynasty would continue. Remember, she was one who brought worship to the kingdom of Judah. She took a page from her mother, Jezebel, and her father, Ahab, and brought that to the southern kingdom. So she decides to kill all of the princes. She decides to slaughter them. But one escaped. 
It's a scary time for all of Israel as David's family was being destroyed one by one. When Jehoram became king of Judah, he killed all his brothers and some of the princes of Israel to prevent them from dethroning him. We can read in 2 Chronicles 2, 21-4 that Arabian invaders then killed Jeroboam's older son. Jehu had some of David's descendants killed, and now Athaliah is ordered the royal seed to be wiped out. She's following a ruthless past that was set for her by her mother and father, Ahab and Jezebel. She saw an opening, the ambition got the better of her, and she jumped. What I gather from this, instead of hungering for and thirsting for righteousness, she thirsted for power. And she wanted to rule. And she thought she could not get it any other way. So that none would reign with her, she even killed the infants and the babies that might have grown up and be her co-heirs. Because she feared competition. She never ever gave a thought of somebody succeeding her. She could care less. What was happening here? Read into something. What was going on here? What was happening? What was Satan trying to do? Ruin David's line. Exactly. He was trying to get... Satan knew that God had given David what? A covenant. He gave him a covenant and said that through your line, the Messiah would come. And someone will sit on your throne forever. Satan knew that. So he wants to get rid of David's seed. He's trying to block this whole situation from happening. And because of the house of her father Ahab, Jehu destroyed it. She was had rage and revenge against God. She had all this rage and revenge-wanting spirit against God. She didn't serve the one true living God, Jehovah. She served idols. She served Baal. It's interesting to me that even those who don't believe in God always seem to blame him for anything that goes wrong in their lives. Have you ever noticed that? People who don't know God and will tell you they don't believe in God, but when something goes wrong, they'll be the first one to ask you, how does God allow this to happen? Well, if you don't believe in him, what difference does it make? But they want to know that. It's interesting. They always blame God for anything that goes wrong, especially in their own lives. This woman, Queen Mum, she wanted to wipe out any descendant of David. I like what one commentator said here, so I wrote it down. Quote, David's promised lamp was almost extinguished, and yet through the Lord, it was wonderfully preserved. Athaliah forgot who made the covenant with David. It was God that made the covenant with David. And God would see it through because God is always faithful. God has made a covenant with you through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And Paul tells the Philippian church that he who began that work, who began that covenant with you, will complete it. He'll take care of it. It's his to take care of. Why? Because it's his covenant. He made the covenant and he can't lie. He made the covenant. So God would make sure that this covenant with David would be kept and his word would become true, that David's dynasty would continue. This is nothing more than just retaliation for what Jehu did to her father and how he destroyed the worshipers of Baal. But remember, 
It was God who commanded Jehu to go on the killing mission. When Athaliah retaliated against it, she returned evil for good. She returned evil for good. And this becomes demonic, folks. This is demonic. When, when evil is returned for doing good, that's nothing more than demonic. But when we return evil for evil and good for good, that's human. That's what humans do. But when we return good for evil, it's what God does. God takes evil and makes it good. Do you remember Joseph in Genesis Remember the story of Joseph? What a great story. If you ever want to get excited, read that. Read that great story of Joseph in, in the Bible. One of Jacob's sons, his favorite son, because Benjamin hadn't been born yet. He loved Joseph. Oh, boy, did he love Joseph. You know the whole story, how his brothers hated him because dad liked him so much. How they tried to get rid of him, how they wanted to kill him, but one of them stood up and said, no, let's kill him. Let's throw him in a pit. <laughs> the Midian traders came by and they took him to Egypt and that whole thing. Remember the ending of that story in chapter 50 of Genesis? When the brothers finally see him, Jacob is now dying and Joseph is getting ready to die. And all the brothers come around, they start crying. And oh, we're so sorry for what we did to you, Joseph. We're so sorry for doing all that. And we're just mortified that we did that. And here you are loving on us and accept that. What, what did Joseph say to them in chapter 50, verse 20? What you meant for evil, God meant for good. I love that. Evil being done towards you, God means it for good. God will work the good out of it. That was Romans 8.28 before Paul was even thought of. And we know that God works all things together for good for those that, are the call, those that love him and are the called according to his purpose. We know that. What a beautiful thing. What Athaliah did not realize, and I think sometimes we don't realize this, is God was still on the throne. God was still there. He didn't abdicate his throne. Nobody was going to overthrow him, although Satan tried. He always has servants ready to act at his calling, at his bidding. And there is one, a little unknown woman by the name of Jehoshiba. She has an important place now in God's plan for all the ages. And she enters this story. And because of her courage and her ingenuity, she helps to preserve the Davidic line. She helps to preserve the Davidic line through which the Messiah would come. When evil people like Adahiah begin to work against the Lord, the Lord always has someone ready to carry out his will. What does Scripture tell us about that? Scripture tells us that God is looking to and fro throughout the land for someone with a heart towards him that he can show himself strong on. Now, I paraphrase that. It's in 2 Chronicles someplace. God is looking to and fro throughout the land. Whenever evil comes in, God has someone there. In the worst of times, God has someone there. One son survives this killing spree. A little boy by the name of Joash. Of course, you're going to find out that they also call him Jehoash. His name is double there. Where did they hide Joash? It says right there, in the temple. They hid him in the house of the Lord. They hid him in the house 
of the Lord. This little boy they take in the house of the Lord. And man, what was David's one desire? What was David's one desire? And if you can't remember it, that's okay, because that's what Psalm 27 is all about. What was David's one desire? Psalm 27, verses 4 and 5. David, writing this beautiful song, this beautiful story, says in verse 4, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple, for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me, he shall set me high upon a rock. Wow, that's beautiful. What understanding David had about this. He wanted this security in the Lord. He knew that if he was in the Lord's house, if he knew he was close to the Lord, he would have this beautiful and wonderful security. David wished he could live in the tabernacle forever. Live in the tabernacle forever. You know, we always give Peter a hard time about wanting to have three tabernacles at the Mount of Transfiguration. And I say, you go, Peter. I would have wanted the same thing. I would have wanted to stay up there. Let's just stay up here, Lord. This is so great to be here. Come on, you've had experiences with the Lord where you don't want to leave, where you don't want to move. It's like, Lord, this is great. David wanted that. He wanted to be surrounded every day by the presence and the beauty of God. Guess what, folks? We have it so much better than David. We have it so much better than David. We don't have to go to a temple. We don't have to go to a tabernacle. Why? We are the tabernacle of God. God now dwells in us. God dwells in us by his spirit. We're the tabernacle of God. We're the temple of God, it says in Corinthians. We're the temple of God. God is in us. He made it so much easier. We won't misplace him. We can't. He's right there. We're in him. And we get the fellowship with him on a constant, everyday basis. David had this one desire. One thing I want, Lord, is just to be in your house forever. Well, New Testament, God said, I know you can't do it. So guess what? I'm going to come in your house. I'm going to put myself in you. I'm going to tabernacle means to dwell. I'm going to tabernacle with you. Emmanuel, God with us. That's great. It was so much better. I love it. I love it. Joash lived in the temple with God for six years. He grew up in the temple of God with six years. Many think that this, this woman... This Jehoshasheba was with him most of the time, nursing him and getting him getting there. Six years. For six years, the Lord watched over this little boy, kept him safe. As his grandmother, Adaliah, was going around killing people. What were the people of Judah doing all this time when all this was happening? Were they wondering what was going on? Were they, where's God in all this? Were they scared? Why would he make a promise to David only to have all his people wiped out? That doesn't make sense. How could we allow this evil queen to jeopardize the future of the Messiah? But God was still on the throne and his perfect timing would come into play. God always has a plan. Never count God out of anything. He always has a plan. Even in your darkest hour, God has a plan. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. He has a plan for this church. He has a plan and he's working it out within us and through us and for us. He's working it. Why? Because he's still on the throne. 
He's still ruling and reigning, and his time is perfect. And in his gracious providence, the boy grows up and was protected because the hand of the Lord was upon him. God always has faithful servants just ready to move, ready to pounce, ready to go. Remember Elijah in the cave? Remember when Elijah was in the cave? Lord, I'm the only one left. They're all after me, and Jezebel wants to kill me. I don't know what I'm going to do. Buckle up, buttercup. I got 700 others waiting. Come on. What's wrong with you? God always has someone there, always ready to go. It was time to remove Adaliah from the throne. This should be familiar to us. The world is controlled by deceit, by selfish ambition, and by evil. But God is still in control and has in place people like this man we're going to meet, Jehoiada, and ready to do his work. People who are ready to bring forth the word of God. People have been, who have faith in his word. People who have been baptized and emboldened by the Holy Spirit, ready to bring forth his word. He always has those in place. Now, I love the patience of these saints. Six years they waited. Six years they waited. It probably seemed like an eternity. I know for me, six minutes seems like an eternity. When I ask God for something, what's taking you so long? They waited six years. Six years. But when God's ready to move, man, you better be ready to go. God doesn't wait around. Let's look at the verses. Then we're going to read verses 4 to 12. In the seventh year, Jehoiada sent and brought the captains of hundreds of the bodyguards and the escorts and brought them into the house of the Lord to him. And he made a covenant with them and took an oath from them in the house of the Lord and showed them the king's son. Then he commanded them, saying, This is what you shall do. One third of you who come on duty on the Sabbath shall be keeping watch over the king's house. One-third shall be at the gate of Sir, and one-third at the gate behind the escorts. You shall keep the watch of the house, lest it be broken down. The two contingents of you who go off duty on the Sabbath shall keep the watch of the house of the Lord for the king. But you shall surround the king on all sides, every man with his weapons in his hand. And whoever comes within range, let him be put to death. You are to be with the king as he goes out and as he comes in. So the captains of the hundreds did all according to all that Jehoiada, the priest, commanded. Each of them took his men who were to be on duty on the Sabbath, with those who were going off duty on the Sabbath, and came to Jehoiada, the priest. And the priest gave the captains of the hundreds the spears and shields, which had belonged to King David, that were in the temple of the Lord. I love that. Then the escort stood, every man with his weapons in his hand, all around the king, from the right side of the temple to the left side of the temple, by the altar of the house. And he brought out the king's son, put the crown on him, and gave him the testimony. And they made him king and anointed him. And they clapped their hands and said, Long live the king. This is cool. This is neat. The book of Second Chronicles parallels this and it, and it repeats a lot of the things that we're reading through now in first and second Samuel and in first and second Kings. You are a sure 
You've been listening to a teaching from the book of 2 Kings with Pastor Dave Shank on A Sure Hope. There's a theme that you notice throughout this book. A person's actions have consequences. In the case of the majority of kings in this book, it was evil actions that incurred negative consequences. Do you think God enjoys handing out consequences for sin? On the contrary, just as a parent would prefer willful obedience, God desires for people to seek after Him and follow what He says because it's best for them. When that isn't the case, it grieves him to put forth discipline, but it's always with a heart for people to come back to him for their good. If you missed any part of today's teaching or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AsureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps as you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about what you heard. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. In addition to that, you're welcome to email us at info at capewatchradio.com with any questions, concerns, or prayer requests. Would you rather talk to us in person? Then think about joining us this Sunday for a time in God's Word at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Everything you need to know is on our website, assurehoperadio.com. Thank you again for taking time to learn from the book of 2 Kings today. We hope you'll join us again on Assure Hope. Oh